want to invite you to turn with me to Proverbs 24 tonight. Proverbs 24, uh, picking up at verse 15. Here again, I had greater ambitions at the beginning of the week, and by the end of the week, I've decided to take us down to verse 20 uh, rather than verse 26. So Proverbs 24, the text will actually be 15 to 20. 15 to 20 will be the reading of the word. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 15 to 20, our text, and then our title, Enemies and Evildoers. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for wisdom, knowing that if we would ask, you would grant us wisdom liberally. May, Lord, the Spirit give us the wisdom of Jesus Christ. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 24, I'm going to begin reading at verse 15 down to verse 20. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not destroy his resting place, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in time of calamity. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Excuse me. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles or the Lord will see it and be displeased and turn his anger away from him. Do not fret because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked, for there will be no future for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Now, we live in a fallen world where. Those who are hostile to true religion do abound. Righteous and faithful living, we are told, even by way of promise from the Lord Jesus Christ, will bring opposition, persecution, and hostility to you as faithful Christians. We're not above our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the world hated our master, the Lord Jesus, the world will also hate his disciples, we are told. The world will also hate you And so Proverbs gives us counsel here and comfort in dealing with an important subject, our enemies and evildoers. Now, you may have problems already. You may have a constant critic at work. Maybe you have a neighbor who's turned against you and your family, despite your best efforts at being at peace with all men. Uh, you may have those who speak against you in the community. And it may have nothing to do with anything you've done to them. It may be simply that you are faithfully following the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they can't get at your father who is in heaven, they get at you. They attack you because you are able to be attacked. They can't attack your God. Now, Proverbs gives us some advice that I want to divide into three parts tonight with regard to dealing with our enemies and with evil people. First of all, number one, do not despair under the attacks of the wicked. That's coming from verses 15 and 16. Do not despair under the attacks of the wicked. 15 and 16. Verses 17 to 18. Do not delight in the demise of the wicked. Do not delight in the demise of the wicked. And then third piece of advice from Proverbs verses 19 and 20. Do not fret. Or envy the rise. 
of the wicked. Do not fret or envy the rise of the wicked. So don't despair under the wicked's attacks. Don't delight if God brings demise to them. And do not fret or envy their rise if God chooses to elevate them. So these three thoughts are our points tonight. Now let's look at verse 15 and 16. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Notice here that the uh, subject is the wicked himself. The author of Proverbs is speaking to the wicked at this point. We get to listen in. And what does the author say? He says, don't lie in wait against you, against the church, against the righteous. And then he says in line B, do not destroy his resting place. Now, why? Well, the righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked will stumble in a time of calamity. So here we have a warning given by Proverbs to the wicked. And that is, do not lie in wait against the church. Do not lie in wait against the righteous. Do not hide and spy on them. Do not seek to destroy them or the house of God. Because why? Well, because God will raise up the righteous again and again and again. And so we have here a warning not to conspire against the church. Do not seek the church's hurt or death. This is a warning to anybody maybe who's listening on the Internet. Maybe you're spying us out right now, just trying to see what are they saying. And you're listening on the Internet. Well, here's a warning to you. You need to come to Christ. You need to repent and not try and lie in wait and find things to speak against the church. But you need to come to the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason for this is God protects his church. The Lord loves his people and the Bible says no weapon fashioned against the church ultimately will prosper. Romans 8 makes it clear that nothing can separate the church from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate you individually from the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has died for you. Jesus Christ has been raised for you. Jesus Christ intercedes for you. And everything done for evil against you will ultimately be used by God for your good and for God's glory. And we see this in many different ways in the Bible. For example, the famous, most famous of them all, Joseph and his brothers. Joseph's brothers plot to rid themselves of the little dreamer. And they say, let's see what becomes of his dreams now. Sell him into slavery. And yet, what does God do? He uses that to bring deliverance and salvation to them all. Haman makes gallows for Mordecai, the Jew. What does God do? God sees to it that Haman is the one swinging on the gallows instead of Mordecai. Saul, King Saul's men, are waiting outside David's house to catch him, to arrest him, and to kill him. But it's the house of Saul that ends up falling, and the house of David lives on for eternity. We see that the early church is <coughs> persecuted at the temple for preaching in the name of Jesus. And one of the counselors says, let's not oppose these men, lest we be found opposing God himself. I have a few applications for us tonight. Number one, today the church continues to have her enemies. There are those who are Satan's little helpers. And they lie in wait and they seek to accuse and to attack and to slander and to oppose and to insult, 
to disregard, to undermine, to poison, to murder, to destroy the church. They are Satan's instruments. But yet, God will use it for our good. He will use it for our, our glory and the glory of himself. In Acts chapter 13, you'll remember that there was a man uh, on Salamis as Paul is preaching the gospel. His name was Bar-Jesus, but he uh, also was, went by the name Elimus. And you'll remember that he was a magician. And as Paul is uh, preaching the gospel, um, uh, that this man tried to turn the proconsul away from hearing the apostle Paul. And what happens? Well, God ends up turning against Elimus. And Paul says, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, to Elimus, you who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil. Notice here, Paul's willing to, you know, call a spade a spade here. And, uh, and we shouldn't be afraid sometimes if they really are of the devil to say it. He says, you enemy of all, of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And then he says, now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon Elimus and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. And then notice here, the best of all, the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened and being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. So here the Lord uh, used it for his own glory. The church is being attacked <coughs> Paul says, how long are you going to keep hindering people from being saved and brings a curse on Elimus and causes all the onlookers to say, wow, and they believe in the Lord. We need to warn the wicked as well today. Those who are seeking to undermine the authority, the purpose, the work, the evangelism, the missions, the influence of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to warn them uh, that God will uh, see to it that. His gospel does go out. Now, the Lord, for his own purposes, as we saw, uh, you know, two Wednesday nights ago, sometimes will give the wicked an upper hand. And our Eritrean brothers and sisters are experiencing that. They're getting arrested for the sake of Christ and they're going into prison. And, and God may give the wicked a season of victory. Um, he may allow them to send flaming arrows into the wounded side of his children, his pastors, his elders and deacons, his mothers in Zion may all suffer uh, these attacks of the evil uh, ones, but ultimately they will all fall before the Lord Jesus Christ. The wounds that you experience for Christ will be for your sanctification, for your growth in grace in this life, but it will be for their condemnation in the world that God will bring these things up in the day of judgment. They intended it for evil and God will hold them accountable for it, even though God intends it for our good. The evil ways that are used against God's people will be for the future glorification of us who believe in the risen Jesus Christ. Jesus was a man of sorrows. We are in union with him. We participate in those sufferings. We participate in those sorrows, but we also will participate in his glory. As Christ overcame all those things, we in Jesus Christ also will overcome. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. But those same assaults on us 
will be some of the evidence that's laid before the saints and the angels on the day of judgment against the wicked. <clears throat> and these works of the evildoers will condemn them if they do not repent. The evidence will send them justly to hell and the smoke of their torment shall rise for all eternity before the saints in that great day is what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. But let me say this to those who might be spying out our liberty in Jesus Christ. You do not have to die and go to hell. You can repent of your persecutions, your murder, your hatred of the church. Surrender yourself to Jesus Christ. Confess your abominable sins. You know, Paul said this himself. He said that if Jesus was willing to save him, a persecutor of the church, he can save anybody. All you need to do is confess those sins and seek the blood of Jesus Christ to atone for your iniquity. And if, and if a Pharisaic persecutor and murderer can become the great apostle to the Gentiles, God can save you. Do not allow your hatred and your envy to carry you to destruction. Don't seek your own death in the lake of fire, but go to Christ. He's willing to make peace with you if you will but surrender on his terms and repent of your sins. So there we see, number one, for the church, don't despair of these attacks. Don't despair. Number two, don't delight in the demise of the wicked. Now, God tells us that he does not desire the death of the wicked, and we should not desire the death of the wicked either. Sometimes after a season of suffering and persecution, however, the Lord will give relief uh, to his people. The Lord does sometimes bring calamity and justice on the unrighteous in history. Sometimes he waits and brings it upon them in eternity at the day of judgment. But sometimes God will bring about justice. It was said that lest believers grow discouraged in this world, God will bring calamity sometimes in history upon the wicked. Sometimes he allows the wicked to prosper. But look at Proverbs here in verse 17 and 18. He's, Proverbs says in verse 17, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Or the Lord will see it and be displeased, that is, displeased with you, and turn his anger away from him. So Proverbs is warning us not to publicly exult in the calamity of the wicked, lest God remove the affliction from them. We are to respond, I think, with quiet thankfulness when the Lord brings about some measure of justice to the wicked. But we also, we want ultimately the wicked to learn from their miseries. And repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we pray for our enemies. We do good to our enemies, even though they do evil to us. We seek to love our enemies and to overcome them, heaping coals of fire upon their heads. We pray that God would use those things to soften their hearts. Um, and we pray that the providential affliction that God brings on evil people will bring them by his grace to Christ. Now, providential affliction alone will not bring anybody to faith. I want you to hear me on that. Um, whenever God brings justice upon sinners, that alone does not necessarily bring them to faith. You know, nobody in hell comes to faith in the Lord, even though they're suffering the torments of God's good justice 
and righteousness. The Spirit must always do the work of regeneration um, in, in a person's life. Now, God may give affliction to the wicked to prepare them for the work of the Spirit in their life. Um, but we, we cannot rely on justice alone uh, to bring somebody to Christ. Um, if we celebrate, however, the fall of the wicked uh, inordinately, God may remove his chastening hand from them prematurely. The affliction may not run its full course for their good and for the relief of the church. So we want to maintain a posture of humility when God does bring justice on the wicked. We want we want uh, to stay humble for several reasons. Number one. First of all, we have to remember that we deserve the just hand of God. We deserve the calamity and justice of God upon our own head. And yet we know that the Father does not treat us as our sins deserve. And so we should want the same for evil men. Secondly, we want the afflictions that God brings on the wicked to lead to their ultimate good and repentance, even faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, number one, we deserve God's justice. So we, we, we don't want to rejoice at the calamity that befalls the wicked because we deserve that. Number two, we want those afflictions to continue to bring them to repentance. And then thirdly, and finally, we need to remember that our nature is still fallen. And therefore, we are not sufficiently sanctified to be able to rejoice. Now, one day the Bible does say we will rejoice when we see the judgment of God on the wicked. As we see their smoke rising from the lake of fire, we will rejoice. But you have to remember, you also will be perfectly sanctified in that day. Right now, there's still that mixture of a sanctified sense of justice, but also carnal <laughs> uh, corruption still there. And... And so we have to be careful because we're not yet glorified. We still don't know how to perfectly rejoice yet um, over the victories that God brings about. And, and so we um, we need to wait uh, and we need to recognize we're still in the time of now and not yet. And and so one day we will rejoice perfectly in a completely sanctified manner, but we don't have that capacity just yet. And so it's best to err on the side, I think, of humility um, rather than um, going too far in our rejoicing. The third thing that I want to bring to our attention tonight is from verse 19 and 20, and that we don't fret or envy the rise of the wicked either. Uh, we we do not want to rejoice when they fall. Uh, we uh, do not want to, uh, you know, worry when when we're suffering. We don't want to fret or worry also when the wicked seem to be increasing and rising. Um, Proverbs teaches the church how to respond to the wicked in a variety of situations. And so thirdly, we don't want to worry or envy because evildoers are prospering. Now, we could be tempted to worry about their rise to power or the influence of evildoers. But the Bible says that we are not to be given to worry. Worry leads to 
the fear of man, which is a trap, it's a snare. Our worrying, we should always give over to God. Whenever we worry, um, I use worry as kind of a goad for me personally to say, okay, I need to give myself to prayer because I'm worrying, I'm fretting. And I know the Bible says that I'm not supposed to be worrying. And so I use that. Well, God must want me to pray. And so I'll take the worry and bring it to the Lord. Give the worries that I have over to the Lord. God ultimately is going to destroy the wicked. Um, Evildoers ultimately have no future. Look at verse 19. Do not fret because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked, for there will be no future for the evil man. Evildoers ultimately, boys and girls, have no future. You have a future because you're in covenant with God. And therefore, your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But a wicked person has no future in terms of prosperity. Uh, they are under the wrath and the condemnation of God. And if they don't turn from that, uh, they will suffer the consequences of that. They may, in this life, though, prosper for a season. Um, God gives good gifts, Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, to the righteous and to the wicked alike. The sun, the rain, fall upon the righteous and the unrighteous alike. God may allow the wicked to increase in wealth, may give them families, may give them many blessings, may give them good health, may, may cause them to prosper in every way. But the prosperity is for a season. And then the Bible says they shall be no more. They spring up quickly But then the righteous will look around and they will not be there. The righteous will wonder, where did the wicked man go? Well, the Lord took him away. Now, I know it's easy for us to worry about evildoers as they seem to be prevailing in our culture. We worry that they might do us harm. We may worry or envy that they seem to have so much success when so many of our Christian friends and families are undergoing so many afflictions. We may be tempted to think it's unfair. We may be tempted to worry about our future if the ungodly are allowed to prevail in our culture. But we should not fret. Fretting leads to evil doing. And when we worry, we tend to sin. And so the Bible here is keeping us from sin. We must not worry. We have to give our legitimate fears to God. That the Lord would be your shield, your defense, that he would save you. From your enemies. He would deliver you from their devices. We have to trust God to love us and to keep us from all evil. Remember again, Romans chapter 8. Nothing, nothing, nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. The wicked man, we are told in the Psalms, will grow like a weed for a season, but he will wither away. But the Bible says at the same time that the righteous will flourish as in the house of God. Just like in a nursery, a plant will prosper in the nursery. We will prosper in the kingdom that is to come. The wicked have no place in that kingdom. They have no place in eternal life. Their feet are set in slippery places, we're told in the book of Deuteronomy. They shall fall, and when they do fall, it will be a very sudden fall. Um. So you need to put your trust in the Lord. You need to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 
Now, if you have anxiety about the wicked, about the prosperity of the wicked in our culture, let me ask you to please pray um, to pray for wisdom, also to pray for courage and fortitude, pray for protection, pray for salvation for yourself, your family, your church, but also pray for your enemies that God would deliver you from them by converting them, that God would bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. You have a future and they don't unless they turn. They are going to die. Their name will ultimately be lost. But your name is written in the Lamb's book of life with the blood of Christ. Their name is going to perish and be remembered no more. But your name will be an eternal name because it's in union with Jesus Christ. Therefore, you need to remember here the teaching of Proverbs. There's no future for the evil man. Their lamp, the lamp rather of the wicked, will be put out. But your lamp will go on forever and ever. God is faithful to his covenant. And he will see to it that the wicked do not overcome you. Ultimately, you will be on the right hand of Jesus Christ. And they will be on the left hand of Christ. And then they will be taken away by angels And they will be dropped into the eternal pit of fire forever. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the grace you've shown us that while we were yet enemies, you did send Jesus into the world to die for us and to reconcile us to yourself. And now pray, Lord, as we live in a world that is beset by the ungodly and unrighteous, that we might live in this world with wisdom and charity and humility and prayerfulness and contentment, trusting and delighting ourselves in you and in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.